1: doi di li cross ka lo pinishabo
2: Du seit dir engen oi as zum gas leben, los kom sich dem muten es gibt über der stellt sich the king of the king the the Sabbath is coming, we are the middle of the tante singed in the kinderlich mitein. The chud ikras kalu li kras ka lo. The nala ay shabos ne kabelo. ka those in the sun, the sun the 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 the
3: Amaliko u veheng di menu
4: So you just-
0: in the a.m. Good morning all. Welcome to a Friday morning edition of this amazing radio broadcast. It's October the 27th, the seventh day in the month of Mar Cheshvan, the year 5778. Tufshin Ayin Ches. Erev Shabbos Parshas That was our Shabbos Lechacha. Wow. Long time ago, frankly. <laughs> Candle lighting at 538 on this Erev Shabbos. 538. In Yerushalayim 5.14, I mentioned that because a lot of people like to make contact with friends and relatives in Jerusalem and other areas of Israel before Shabbos. Uh, by the way, Israel will switch to a standard time on Sunday morning, which means for one week there will be a six-hour difference. For one week there will be a six-hour difference between the Eastern time zone and Jerusalem. Um, by the way, listener, Shaney, who's in Jerusalem, says Shabbat Shalom from the Old City. She's on the app this morning. Thank you, Shaney. And Mazal, tov to you again. Um, and Thursday, this coming Thursday, is Balfour Day. More about that as we get closer and closer. 100 years since the Balfour Declaration. Uh, Michal Przensky had a sore brand new from Shooting for the Moon. Let Me Be. That's Gershon Veroba. Micha Gamerman's Mayadidus. L'cha D, you heard Derek Achim, Leif Tahar, and Yisroel Werdiger with those three versions. And Regesh, of course, Modaani opening things up. And we say good morning. Well, A&H, our friends at uh, Abel's and Hyman, have finally announced the contest. It's going to be the best-dressed hot dog contest uh, with cash prizes, trophy, and more on the day of Tuesday, November the 14th, happening at Kosher Fest at the Meadowlands Exposition Center in Secaucus, New Jersey. Uh, go to the uh, A&H, go to the Ables and Hyman Facebook page or Instagram. Enter for a chance to go to Kosher Fest and be a competitor in the first-ever Kosher Best Dressed Hot Dog Contest. It's a cool idea. It should be a lot of fun. We'll be Facebook-living from there with some really cool expert judges and uh, and our friends at Ables and Hyman, one of the greatest kosher companies out there. Uh, so get ready. It's the 14th of November. Um, and we are, uh, we are getting excited. Uh, we are looking for those final slots to be filled. So again, go to the Facebook page of Ables and Hyman or the Instagram account. And, uh, if you know how to, if you know how to dress a hot dog, well with condiments and, and and other things, uh, then this contest is certainly for you. Shabbos project going on around the world. We acknowledge the incredible Shabbos project, bringing Jews together of all backgrounds under the umbrella of Shabbos. What is better than that? 48 degrees, sunny, and a high of 65. Clear tonight in this area with a low of 55 and mostly cloudy with a high of 68 for Shabbos. Yerushalayim is at 79. We're at 48 here in New York City, as we say. Good morning at JM and the AM. Malcolm Holine, he is the executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He will join us for the weekly update at 7.40 Eastern time. If you know of anybody who... Um, has trouble hearing this show for whatever reason, recommend to them the easiest methods, the NSN app, the NahumSiegel.com website, and, of course, there's a phone number. If they want to get really back down to basics of making a phone call, uh, which I'm sure everybody in the audience knows how to do, and uh, and listening that way, 605-562-4400. 605-562-4400. Friday morning, JM in the AM. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. (laughs)
5: שלי יadarתי ש'נדא לי ניסמוך אללו אלובינו וזו הדרך שבחרתי I'm going to go
6: Melech Yoshev lobif nim. Malechim is vivo ve hashad na ul, mi odea kitsad nich nasim. Isinu be elef drachim. Tu maod rabot vetach anunim. Utfilot hazakot, shiotzot mehalev, ve adain lo matzlihim. Ach jeshlan dere, dere hachat, shi anachnu od lo menasim. I give it, Israel yadai, It's da for It's tarfuhayadai. The world that we've lost years And I'm <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
7: I am
8: قبال نوات قل ملها كل يا كون بسكوت שלנו שלנו
0: JM in the AM, Michael Nadato with Odi Shama. You heard Avi Peretz and Lo'naf Sea. Kulam done by Mordechai Shapiro. That's brand new. He'll be here Wednesday at JM in the AM. Avremo with Zelazay. You heard Amram Adar with Yehudi Ma'amin. And uh, Mordechai Shapiro opened up the set with Lee off of the Mahar album. Again, he visits us this coming Wednesday at JM in the AM. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital Radio. Around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. It's Friday, weekly update coming up. Uh, We'll do that for you um, at 7.40 Eastern time. Malcolm Honline will join us. Start talking about some of the things that uh, went on this week. Don't forget, next weekend is our 24-plus hours of Kalbach in commemoration of his yard site, Shlomo Kalbach's yard site. If you want to sponsor all or part of a JMN broadcast or if you want to sponsor part of the Shlomo Kalbach 24 plus hours of Kalbach. Go to uh, FJBUnity.org. FJB for Foundation of Jewish Broadcasting. FJBUnity.org. We announced earlier AH, Abels and Hyman has announced it. The contest on Kosher Fest on the 14th of November will be the best dressed hot dog contest. Can you dress a hot dog well? If yes, you have a chance to win a nice cash prize plus a gigantic trophy. Oh, yeah details, go to the Abels and Hyman Facebook page and their Instagram account, and you can be a contestant in that great contest coming up on a Tuesday in November. Galay Israel Army Radio, 2pm newscast for a Friday is next. We say Boker Tov from JNN.
9: Galay Tzal, the 2nd, here is Goni Cohen, the mother that is happening now. The Mariano Rehoi, asked from the Senat in Madrid, the administration Catalonia. כתבנו נתן אלדרשן.
6: התכנסנו כאן היום כדי להבהיר שהגיע הזמן לחופת החוק, לא נגד מחוז קטלוניה, אלא נגד ההתעללות בו, הכריז ממשלת ספרד מריאנו רחוי בפתח הדיון היום בסנאט במדריד, כשהוא דורש לאפשר את שלילת הזכויות של המחוז. הפרלמנט הקטלני, כדי להכריעים להכריז על עצמאות עוד היום, או בזק, בניסיון למנוע את של ממשלת ספרד.
9: רוסיה מזהירה את ארצות הברית הדיווחים על הטלת עיצומים חדשים הם סיבה לדאגה, כתבנו ניר שווד.
5: דובר הקרמלין דמיטרי פסקוב הבהיר בשיחה עם עיתונאים כי מוסקבה לא תשלים עם הטלת נוספים עליה מצד הקונגרס האמריקני. בחודש אוגוסט הברית חדשים על מוסקבה, צעד שהוביל להחזרת חלק ניקר מהצוותים הדיפלומטיים בשתי המדינות וחזרה למולדתם.
9: בשל תקלה במטוס ארכיה, 170 נושאים המתינים בזנזיבר מאז יום רביעי לטיסה בחזרה לארץ. הפרעת שנמצאת כעת בשדה התעופה עם בן זוגה טוענת אנשים זקוקים לתרופות ארכיה. לא اروحه לסיפוק معناه
10: صرنا عم نقول يوم ربعي بالليله
11: ان اوكل ايش في ناسيم بلي بقديم بلي تشفس في ناسيم مبوغارين مسكوكين لتروفات כמו الناسيم اللي نوقخين انسولين او سكرت
9: כתבנו גל חן, מוסר שחברת ערכיה מתנצלת על הנפש ותוציא בשעות הקרובות מטוס חלופי להשבת הנושאים. גבר כבין 70 נפצע קשה בנפילה מסולם בגובה של שלושה מטרים בבית מְגֻרִים בחדרה. צוּבַת מגן דוד אדום העניק לגבר טיפול ראשוני ופינה אותו לבית החולים הלל יפה הישג משמעותי לישראל בעווה אדם הלי של פיפה. דרישת הפלסטינים להשאות את ישראל ירדה מסדר היום, כתבנו אופיר יונתן. סוגיית חמש הקבוצות שנמצאות אחרי הקו הירוק ועלתה על ידי ג'יברין רג'וב, יושב ראש התאחדות הכדורגל הפלסטינית, הורדה מסדר היום של מועצת פיפה. כך נכתב בהודעה מטעם ההתאחדות הישראלית. מארגון הכדורגל העולמי הסיכו כי מדובר בסוגיה פוליטית ולכן נתחתה שברוש ההתאחדות אופר אין, היא קינה את המהלך צעד משמעותי, וברך על החלטת פיפה. בג'ודו, תוהר בוטבול בחצי הגמר בטורניר אבודה בו, והתמודד בקרב על מדליה תארד. בנוסף, הג'ודאית רותם שור, עלתה לקרב על מדליה תארד מבית הניחומים, ותנסה להשיג מדליה במשקלה. תחזית מזג האוויר, עלייה קלה בטמפרטורות מחר, התקררות עם סיכוי לגשם, בצפון ובמישור החוף Elle a בצוות אופר sewet offer בסט.
12: Keno I'm sorry,
13: I'm sorry, 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 I'm
4: sorry, I'm sorry, I'm
14: sorry, I'm 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 I'm a bad es but he's wrong.
4: The speed of light I set my goals I made galaxies apart. But I know somewhere deep inside I've got the strength to get that far. Climbing on a ladder in the sky Though I'm not an angel, maybe I can fly. Pushing through still another mile All I gotta do is try. I'm shooting for the moon tonight. I ride the winds at the speed of light. I set my goals I made my mind And if I miss Gonna make it to the top I'm shooting for the moon tonight And if I miss, I'll make it to the stars,
12: stars. stars.
4: Sending up Yet another prayer, Father I know you believe in me When it's rough, and I'm feeling doubt You can raise me up above the clouds I can feel the power of a dream Giving me wings, taking me beyond All the pain, all the broken hopes Gonna leave it all behind I'm shooting for the moon tonight I ride the winds at the speed of light i said If I miss, I'll make it to the star of light, set my goals. I made my mind, and if I miss, I'll make it to the stars. Gonna make it to the top. I'm shooting for the moon tonight, and if I miss, I'll make it to the stars. am shooting for the moon tonight. I ride the winds at the speed of light. I set my goals, I made my mind.
0: I'll make it to the stars. J.M. and the A.M. Michal Brzezanski, his title track, Shooting for the Moon, here at J.M. and the A.M. Levy Cohen with Atavah Artano. You heard Lipa in there with Nakdishak to open up the 7 o'clock hour. J.M. and the A.M. weekly update coming up about 20 minutes from now. Go through the events of the week with uh, Malcolm Holmlein who will join us. Uh, Mark Rosenberg is with us live via telephone from Israel. Uh, we did earlier in the week speak about the Shabbat Aliyah that Nevish Benefesh is sponsoring with uh, uh, other organizations, and that's happening at Stern College next Shabbos, um, November 3rd. NB, it's a collegiate Shabbaton, nbn.org.il slash Shabbaton, nbn.org.il slash Shabbaton. But today I asked uh, if Mark could join us, he is the director of Pre-Aliyah and the Pre-Aliyah Department at Nevesh B'Nevesh, because um, I felt it was important to point out to this audience, who is connected and cares so much about Israel, that there is, believe it or not, Baruch Hashem, an official Aliyah day, a Yom Ha'Aliyah, that happens in Israel and is recognized by the Israeli government, and that is today, Friday, October the 27th. Mark Rosenberg, welcome back to JM in the AM.
15: Good morning, Malcolm. Good morning to all your listeners.
0: Uh, Great to speak with you. I I don't want to put you on the spot. Do we know why it's being celebrated today? So, um,
15: obviously, it's a a Jewish day of celebration, so there's an argument about which day it was going to be. A lot of people wanted to be in Nisan the day that Amisho went into Eretz Israel with Yeshua. Right. Um, and uh, they ch- I think, I believe they chose this day because um, it had more to do with uh, the seasonal modern history of what's happening with uh, Israel, with the state of Israel coming back. A lot of celebration now with the 70s of the Balfour Decoration and um, Kuftep in November, this uh, the U.N. Partition Day. Um, so I think it has to do more with seasonal holidays now than uh, more historical things.
0: Well, it's very cool. Very, very cool. It's an official Aliyah day. Uh, which is today, Friday, October the 27th. And today, uh, or I should say, as Yom Aliyah approached during this week, 49 North Americans immigrated to Israel from the United States. This goes back to uh, Tuesday of this week. Uh, from the United States and Canada on a Nefesh B'Nefesh group flight, group Aliyah flight in cooperation with Israel's Ministry of Aliyah and integration, the Jewish agency, and, of course, Karen Kayemet and JNF. So, uh, you know, many people in this audience might suspect that the only time you guys are active in bringing people from North America is during that heavy summer season when this program is dominated by by Israel and Nefesh B'Nefesh talk. The reality is that even a lazy week in October and you are bringing people from North America to Israel.
15: Indeed, you're absolutely correct. Actually, we're very lucky with the day. We're, like, uh, reminded about, I think it was about maybe four or five months ago, oh, Yom Aliyah this week is like, oh, we already have a flight of 49 people arriving that day. <laughs> and there were an- another uh, about 12 people who made Aliyah on different days of the week. Most people come on these individual flights that are convenient for them, Um whereas you hear, you see the big planes of uh, 300 people coming in in July and August. Um, and flights of 80 uh, and 100 people coming in June through, through September because it might be easier for them with the transi- transitions of their life. But uh, people, uh, 100, 150 people are coming each month, uh, retirees and young couples uh, um, of all ages. It's really quite remarkable to um, see them off or welcome them at the airport.
0: It is unbelievable. Mark Rosenberg with us from Israel. Yomaha Aliyah is today. It started in uh, 2016 last year, recognized by the Israeli government and acknowledging the contributions of Olim, of those who've grown up outside of Israel. Uh, their contributions to Israeli society, and that that category just keeps getting bigger and bigger, right? I mean, it is amazing to watch, and you guys have recognized people with awards and and presentations. It is incredible uh, to watch the effect that Olim from all around the world are having on Israeli society.
15: Totally, totally agree with you. It's uh, Israel's an immigrant society. People have come from all four corners of the earth. It's uh, all, all four corners of the earth. It's something obviously in our in our and our prayers that we're we're hoping to gather from. Ethiopia and Yemen and Russia and and American Canada—that's absolutely true. And we have we have started celebrating this over our fourth year um, awarding um, the Bonne Award to the impact of North, Amer- North American immigrants. But I also think it's important to say Nahum because it is obviously Parsha right. Um and we, and we see that spirit. It's it, I think that has to do also with Yom HaAliyah. We see the impact of the decision to come. It's not easy. We the uh, First Minister really strives to make it easier, and um, and we're there to. We're there for every step of the process, but to make that leap, to make that jump, um, and to take that flight um, has tremendous opportunities for people. And the state of Israel is just recognizing um, that th- those people and those groups of people who are making that change in Israel um, for the for the country, but also for each family, um, and that's really um, a part of the celebration of Yom Ha'Aliyah.
0: Boy, could you imagine if that was if that was why the final decision was made? after all the things that were considered and some of the things you mentioned that they figured it's Parsha's Lechachah, it would be the absolutely most appropriate time. If only people around the world, especially in certain segments of our community, realized that the, that the quote-unquote secular political Knesset, is recognizing important dates in religious Jewish history. I, w- I wish people would open up their eyes to that. But but I guess that's for a different day. Wouldn't that be for yeah. a different day? Sure.
15: <laughs> I mean, I, I, Dachma, I want to say that there was a special session at the Knesset this week that Nefesh, Nefesh was invited to with the Prime Minister, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu, wow. and the head of the Knesset and the head of the Minister of Absorption, and they were in the room and they were talking about this, uh, the aspect of Abraham Avinu. Oh. It was it was it, oh. it, it, it was it was a topic of conversation because we are all um, we we all have that you know Abraham Avinu. Or Ivory, I know this song comes on, on your <laughs> station a lot. I hear it a lot. It, 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 is, it is part of that story, and all of us have that connection. So um, whether you take that small step or you're thinking about it, exploring it, um, it, it is uh, something to celebrate, and I'm glad that uh, all of Amisrael is able to appreciate that on, on Yom Haleiah Day and throughout the year.
0: Did this week's Olim know that they were on a Yom Haleiah flight? Like, were they informed that it's, a, that it's, an, it's an extra special week?
15: They did they did um, there was, um, uh, there was there was a question of whether there would be a dignitary coming to the airport, ah. um, but we always have when on these group flights we always have uh, a group of people that are, that volunteer. They actually right. contact us and say, "We know there's a group coming, can we come and w- receive them at the airport right. So they knew that um, there were people dancing with flags and, um, and there to hug them and have signs when they came out of the airport, um, so they, they were they were ready they were ready for the hoopla
0: very cool, really cool. Uh, what do you think of this Shabbat Aliyah next week? Isn't this great? College students coming from all over the place, converging on New York for that uh, uh, for that very special weekend. So we're
15: really appreciative uh, of Yeshiva University um, for 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 hosting it and being our partner in it. Um, they have the facilities, obviously, to have hundreds of students for Shabbat, yeah. um, and and people are coming down from Boston and up from Maryland, um, across the New York area. Um, it, it's it's really tremendous, and I think that more so than you know the speeches and, and the activity. To, to sit in a room with hundreds of people um, who have spent time learning in Israel, but also their, their 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 eyes are there, is really going to be a really special occasion. Um, I, I know. I think they had I wanted it for um, the Parsha um but Parsha Vaira is also uh, a, a great a great time to be together, and we're we're excited to see uh, what happens on that Shabbat and the after effects of the people being together.
0: Information, by the way, for the college students and their families who think it's a good idea for them to attend nbn.org.il slash nbn.org.il slash Mark Rosenberg, before I let you go, uh, sometimes I think days like Balfour Day are more important, quote-unquote, I'm sure you'll know what I mean in a second, for those outside of Israel because it keeps us focused on the uh, incredible miracle of uh, of the state of Israel, which had many stages, one of them, of course, you know, Balfour Day, November 2nd of uh, 1917. In Israel, is it going to get the kind of attention that we're demanding our schools here give it this week? Um, yes, it actually is. I think that
15: the, uh, th- there's two levels to it, Nachum. Number one is I think the educators want people to know that uh, this was a historical date that was a small trigger right. um, in the process of the legitimacy of Israel. Um, And I think that there's there's that educational moment that it's it was so far away. I think, you know, when it comes to partition date, it's more obvious, uh, you know, what happened. But I think that there's an educational moment that I know that um, I'll I'll ask my kids when they come home from school that uh, (laughs) that day if they if they were talked about it. But on the national level, it's already in the newspapers. Oh, yeah. Because because of the 70th this year and all the right. talk about it's been seven years since partition and it was 50 years since you and when you you and your team were in Israel right. to help celebrate it's it's causing people to look back about these larger movements um, in history that has that has, sh- has shaken shaken the Jewish world uh, and 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 the reality that we're in today that. Just about a majority of Jewish people live in Eretz Israel for the first time since, since the second, second Beit HaMikdash um, is, is truly remarkable. And to see that the, 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 the superpower of the world um, stood up and said, you know, it's about time that the Jewish people have more legitimacy in their homeland, um, was was remarkable at the time. We t- I think we take it for granted. Oh yeah. Uh, we, and, and, we, we and
0: take- yeah. And not yeah. only that, it's impossible to get the kids into context. You know, they like, can't even yeah. believe the world was like that back then. <laughs>
15: oh, that they shouldn't. Uh, right. that the Jewish people shouldn't maybe right. have it, or exactly. every, the land of Israel isn't for the Jewish people. So I, I think it's a it's a great trigger, for, and I, I see the the newspaper people are writing about it. Was you know, should we appreciate it, or what happened to Balfour? Or was it was it too much? The, 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 were the British did they betray us later on? Right. It's it, it's a it's an excellent uh, historical conversation um, that reflects also on Israel's place in the world today. Um, and I know that you you have the ambassador from the United Nations on often, um, and it, it, it's continuing today. So I think it's uh it, it's going to be in our, it's going to be on our headlines and curriculum as well as, as our Shabbos tables.
0: Very cool, very cool. Yeah, it's a big month, everybody. One hundred's a big number. One hundred is a very big number, and it's a hundred years this coming week from uh, from the Balfour declaration of November the 2nd, 1917. If you're not familiar with it, read up about it and certainly share it with your kids and your students out there. And as Mark reminded us, in November at the end of November, that's the day of the partition plan back in 1947. Another big anniversary coming up. That'll be 70 years since the partition plan. And of course, April the 19th, we know that it's Israel 70 for Yom HaTzmud coming up. There's a lot happening. Take advantage and discuss all this with your kids. The uh, Yom Aliyah is today, as the Israeli government has designated and uh, has celebrated, and uh, we take this opportunity to recognize the incredible North American Olim, who made sure to move to Israel at a time when there's a little bit of less hoopla, but at a time that ends up being a very significant week, and that, of course, is the week of Yom Aliyah. Mark Rosenberg is the director of the pre aliyah Department at Nevesh Benefesh. information about Anything having to do with Aliyah, nbn.org.il. Next week's Collegiate Shabbaton in Manhattan, nbn.org.il slash Mark, all, you know I could speak to you for hours. Always a pleasure. Have a Shabbat Shalom, and thank you so much. All the best. Good Shabbat Shalom. Bye. There he is, Mark Rosenberg, one of our favorite guests. I tell you, I get chills at certain points in these conversations, frankly. I really do, thinking about the context of Jewish history and how much more we have to appreciate what we have. More coming up. 7:29 on a Friday morning broadcast you're listening to JM in the AM.
2: La botta va a mas <laughs> evadere, ma Kachaya, be kacha ze gama la, Yehudi mne shama ze Abraham,
0: Friday morning on the Zerav Shabbos Parsha's lechachah Lech, Lecha, candle lighting at 5.38. 5.38, your candle lighting. Daylight savings time ends in Israel tomorrow night. Uh, it'll be a six-hour difference after Shabbos. Uh, yeah, I think after Shabbos, yeah. Or soon after Shabbos. Friday, JM in the AM uh, with uh, Malcolm homeline joining us about 10 minutes from now. Um table for two with Naomi Nachman is on at nine o'clock featuring Naomi's Halabake for the Shabbos project. Naomi is joined for the challah by Naomi Ross, Elisheva, Elisheva Tates and Kayla K. Kay. Uh, that's all coming up between nine and 10. Naomi Nachman's Halabake in honor of, uh, I heard about this show. It sounds like a lot of fun in honor of the Shabbos project. All right. So that's coming up. Uh, starting at 10, it's the Arab Shabbos show, uh, sponsored by our friends at Kedem. Mark Zomick will host and the Arab Shabbos music mix, sponsored by our friends at Kedem. All the way until candle lighting time, make sure you are tuned in. Saturday night, Siegel, tomorrow night with our Rummy. Rabbi Eliezer's Wickler is featured. Uh, and uh, with his Dvar Torah and uh, Sunday, of course, Matis with JM Sunday. That happens uh, every single Sunday, starting at 7 a.m. Eastern time. And as we discussed yesterday at some point on the air. Uh, Matis is making all of us look terrible because every single week for God knows how long, I think over five years, he has been live every single Sunday, which is just unbelievable. So I thank him very, very much. And uh, you'll be able to hear that uh, Sunday morning here on the Siegel Network. I'm Bedford-on-Park, Chef Alex and his entire crew remind everybody that holiday season is soon going to be here. And it is very possible you're responsible for arranging for the holiday and corporate party for your company and staff. Well, check out Bedford-on-Park. In fact, call them today and uh, be in touch. They're at the corner of 34th and Park in the heart of New York City. And uh, they have the ability to uh, create an amazing party atmosphere with wonderful, delicious food. Uh, they have a bar. They have a great environment and uh, wonderful ambiance. And, of course, a fantastic party room. You put it all together, you could get about 150 people into Bedford-on-Park when you reserve it for the night. So holiday parties, Hanukkah celebrations with family and friends, whatever it is you have in mind, take advantage of the delicious menu and the great service at Bedford-on-Park. Check out BedfordKitchen.com, BedfordKitchen.com. Get those reservations in and make sure you mention you heard it here on JM in the AM. More coming up. Weekly update, of course. or going to be joining us. We've got so much happening here if you keep it at JM in the AM.
4: In a lot of places
17: I've been all around the world Seen a lot of faces Never know where I was On the horizon Ooh, well I know, I know, I know, I know soon will be rising back home
11: No,
3: we won't forget where we came from the sea Yes, we do the same job.
11: J.M. in the A.M.
0: Mordechai ben David and company. Curry Bone is the name of that one. Maccabees with home after our conversation regarding Yom Aliya today. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Parshas Lech with candle lighting time at 5.38 on this Erev Shabbos, 5.38 in the New York area. Uh, Don't forget that uh, Israel will, excuse me, Israel will leave Daylight Savings Time and move to a standard time tomorrow night. So for a week, it'll be a six-hour difference between the uh, state of Israel and the eastern time zone. And for those who are criticizing me on Facebook that New York's the center of the world and why would we outside New York, it's not for that reason. (laughs) I posted it so that people will get a perspective on what the time difference is. And then if you happen to be in a different time zone, you can figure it out for yourself. Uh, for those of us who have friends and relatives in Israel, we like to call them before Shabbos. We like to know what the time difference is so we don't miss that opportunity. And candle lighting in Jerusalem and other places doesn't sneak up on us. So uh, for one week, it'll be a six-hour difference. For today, it's still seven. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, as we continue here at JM in the AM. Rabbi Yudin coming up, of course. And we will get to a discussion regarding a uh, Rachel as the yard side of Rahul Menu happens this coming week. Malcolm Honline is, of course, with us. He is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, he joins us for the weekly update Friday mornings here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM.
18: Thank you. It's always good to be with you.
0: I appreciate that. Nice to speak with you. And there's so much to talk about. First of all, any update on these fires around Yerushalayim? Do we know if they're under control at this point or not?
18: I've not heard uh, the update. They did spring up uh, several fires, and uh, it's not unusual for this time, but right. it's always very dangerous because, uh, you know, when it's dry and, and uh, the forests are very susceptible to, and and unfortunately, often when there are fires that, are, that start naturally, they are followed by uh, arsonists.
0: Yeah, and that in itself becomes a whole security issue, as we've seen in the past. Uh, all right, we'll be watching that, of course. This coming we just had a Yom Yad discussion, which is today, uh, which is pretty amazing, frankly, if you think about it in the context of Jewish history. This coming week is Balfour Day. Uh, we discussed uh, to what degree Jews both in Israel and around the world are going to be commemorating it. Obviously, we'll focus on it here uh, to some degree as we get closer, and then on Thursday itself, which is November 2nd 2017, 100 years from the Balfour Declaration. Uh, any thoughts about uh, how important it is for we as parents and grandparents to share all this information, whether it be over Shabbos or during this coming week with our children.
18: It it can't be more important. And we have new polling that uh, we just received in the last days, which uh, show very disturbing uh, results regarding our children. And that means children getting education in a wide variety of institutions And uh, every parent who will see it uh, will be, you know, will say it's not my child, when in fact it's everyone's children they do not know, which makes them vulnerable to the lies, distortions, and misrepresentations. And very few parents take the time, and I believe many are not capable themselves, of really detailing the history, talking to their kids about how we got to the point where we are, who the people were. Um, the names that were associated with it the results are 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 really quite shocking although we have seen this pattern emerging for for some time one and of I'm the, sorry, and, and we have to we have to take it seriously because it is reflected also in the fact that in in uh, another study that was done it shows that the biggest drop in support in between the two studies one this over the past year one that we did years ago uh, very in-depth studies that the biggest drop in support right now is amongst young Jews. Oh boy, support for Israel. Um, I, uh,
0: I mean, we, we mentioned earlier that the uh, uh, it, one of the problems I think is, and this is there's nothing we can do about this. I think it's human nature. Is that it's hard to get the younger generation into context of what life was like back then and how legitimate it was to deny Jews the right to a homeland. And that that was the atmosphere that this declaration was made 100 years ago.
18: And and how few people uh, supported it, although right. there were people like Ham Fish, Congressman Hamilton Fish, whose uh, son and grandson have been involved in political life in Westchester. Um, was He introduced a resolution, which was called the American Balfour Resolution, as he told me, uh, it actually followed by several years, but it was an important statement as well. And you know that there have been declarations by presidents of the United States going back to the founding of the state, talking about the creation of the Jewish state, uh, Jewish homeland. To use different terminology, but they had very biblical views and backgrounds. And uh, it, and we know that uh, after the the Balfour Declaration and the reasons people should read why it came, place who was Lord Balfour and. Uh, what the reaction? But he also called for the creation of a Palestinian state right. in in his declaration.
0: Is um, is one hundred this coming Thursday going to be commemorated by the British government?
18: Yes, actually, there's going to be a, a big dinner in London, which will be attended by the Prime Minister Ms. May. Wow! And there are going to be uh, a whole series of other events. I'm I, I met with some of the leaders of British Jewry, and they. We're very proud of the uh, of this, and and you know there the were those who called like Corbyn not to celebrate, and who some who who decried the Balfour Declaration. So the the commemoration in the presence of the Prime Minister, and she made a very strong statement. As of others um, is uh, is particularly
0: important. Oh, very cool! Uh, and both Israel and I guess in the diaspora, the event or the anniversary will be recognized. I, I was curious. We were discussing it earlier. Uh, during the show you know whether i don't know how important it is in israel for it to be recognized they're, they're living the miracle every single day but i guess in both places israel and diaspora there'll be a lot of different uh, presentations and ceremonies during the uh, during this week
18: it's very important because they take it for granted and and you know People don't, in in Israel as well, they don't know the history well enough, although they do study it, and I'm sure Balfour, you know, we all know where Balfour streets are in in, in Tel Aviv and in Jerusalem, but the the real context and appreciating how far Israel has come from that period it really enhances the story for Israelis and for Jews everywhere and for people everywhere.
0: Yeah. All right, let me do a little bit of celebrating for a second. Uh, Israel has won eight medals at the European Paralympic Youth Games. Israel's Neely Block, who I believe is going to visit us in November uh, here in the studio, has won the Thai boxing title at the European Championships in Paris. And the Judo Federation, apparently an Israeli, won gold but they did not play the national anthem of Israel. Could you explain what happened there?
18: Well it wasn't the judo federation, it was the government of the UAE in Dubai that did not permit, although it is required by uh, the rules of the judo federation, that uh, the national anthem, that all all participants be treated equally and when they were playing the anthem for everybody else but they refused it for the Israeli winner and he instead got up and he sang the Hatikvah <laughs> as he got his medal and um, uh, what is FIFA t- has lodged a complaint with the UAE about it and we'll have to see what the consequences.
0: Well what does this tell us about the UAE? Because sometimes you've told us that when public displays like this are discouraged they're afraid of what certain other Arab states may say to them. Is that the, is that the case here? They could act independently and, and easily have done it without a problem?
18: I mean I think they could have done it because it's not Their choice; they can cite the rules of the of the uh, organization, and it's the condition on which they got to host the uh, the competition. So there's no excuse for not allowing the uh, the symbolic raising the flag and the singing of the anthem. And uh, you know, we have seen this before in the UAE and other places, other countries in the Middle East, where. Uh, if you remember at the tennis uh, games right. years ago yes. and others where we had similar uh, issues, uh, but in the end they were all permitted to play and to to participate.
0: Yeah, Malcolm, you know when it comes to sports, I pay attention. You know that. I see that. <laughs> you know that's <laughs> that's one of the most serious parts of the news. as far And, as
18: and I think you should be insulted. There were no, they didn't sing the pick for the World Series either. Trust me,
0: trust <laughs> me. I noted that. <laughs> Uh, because, because the best team wasn't in it, that's why. Uh, Well, you would say the Phillies, but anyway, that's for another time. Uh, Two more things before we get to Syria and some of the more serious, well, I don't know, this is serious as well. I, I, number one, um, Sutton Place Synagogue, swastika this week. I know that certain uh, paraphernalia has been sent, anti-Semitic paraphernalia to certain uh, Jewish businesses in the New York area. I mean, I, we stress this often during holiday time, Pesach, and, of course, during the Tishrei holidays um I mean it's it's an important reminder not that I'm encouraging this behavior frankly it's an important reminder though there are a lot of people out there quite unhappy uh with the uh, with the fact that we exist and uh, for those who are not taking security at their public locations seriously schools synagogues etc it is a good time even when it's not the high holidays to consider it
18: and to get in touch with scan that's scn the secure community network operation which will help uh, guide organizations improving their security institutions. That for schools to undertake uh, what they do in Britain, and that is to have parents volunteer or be asked to do one day of guard duty for each child. That means it's no cost to the school, minimal intrusion for the families. That they because parents will know who belongs and who doesn't belong. The, there are pictures of the guys who carried out the attack. that were they were picked up on camera. So I hope that they will be apprehended. Oh, in in the Manhattan one? I didn't realize that. Oh, good. And, uh, you know, we don't know if it's haphazard. We don't know if it was planned, what the motivation uh, for different people undertaking these things. But it it is certainly increasing. And we have to be honest and uh, face it and ensure that our uh, law enforcement and others, and I think the NYPD does take this seriously, uh, but certainly elected officials on every level we have to make sure. You know, we had the 30th state, 31st state, I think, but Maryland adopted uh, no, uh, anti-boycott the legislation. But it's important because this is also anti-Semitism. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, when you target a single state, the Jewish state alone, you think of all the countries violating human rights, etc. When you see the Human Rights Council sing out Israel for these horrific a uh, blacklisting 130 companies and uh, already are, are named mostly in Iran I think 60 foreign countries uh, companies uh, uh for what, what because they provide food they provide essentials to to people living in a particular geographic area the the we we should see the pattern and not dismiss these developments it's not panic uh, there's no reason for you know any kind of exaggerated response but a real a, a reality check and as you said, every institution has to think about what its responsibilities are to its constituents and to its members and to the children who use those facilities. It, it's a different era, and, and it's not likely to to diminish, as we see with all yeah. the tensions in society.
0: I'm glad I brought this up because I didn't realize that there was follow-up with the police department. I bet you there are institutions that, that discourage one another sometimes. From reporting these, you would encourage everybody, no matter what's happened to the front door of your institution, make sure to let the cops know about it.
18: You know, and they have to know, and the importance of cameras, right? And uh, frankly, every home should have cameras right. uh, today. And uh, it's often, you know, just some neighbor picking up a camera, picking up the picture, if even if the, the direct uh, place that was attacked didn't didn't uh, get it, or they were able to bypass it. Uh, this is a it's a very important security tool today.
0: And finally, before just indulge me one more before we get to the international um, uh, topics, I, I know there are people, especially in this audience, who are upset with the court decision regarding Shabbos openings in Tel Aviv. I'm I'm sure that there are some people who are annoyed by it. Uh, but but I just I just want to I I want to reiterate something we've said in the past, and that is that it is possible that there might be a better uh, strategy. Of how to deal with our brethren who may not understand the sanctity of the Sabbath day, uh, than than some of the reaction that have that has uh, happened in the past. And instead of uh, instead of uh, expressing in very loud voices opposition, it might there might be better methods to bring people to understand just how important the day is.
18: Well, first of all, I think that we will see legislative initiatives to to address it. Second, mm-hmm. this was a ruling of the Supreme Court. It was not a government decision, right. and uh, it was based on on the principle that the authority was used of the local municipality of the city of Tel Aviv was uh, usurped by the the government in the decisions that they made. So, you know, there are legal bases that could be based just upon fine points, but uh, I think maintaining the sanctity of of Shabbos is is uh, very important, yep. and hopefully, this can be resolved. Um, quickly without the kind of of reaction that only causes negative backlash and negative effect.
0: Very good, and a lot of strife, unfortunately. All right, um, now that we know that uh, it's been established that the Syrian attack in April was a chemical attack, does it matter? And I say it like that because I don't even think I saw, and correct me if I'm wrong, any type of U.N. condemnation at this point, any type of follow-up with with the possibility of sanctions, etc., it seems like just a, a news item that just passed us by.
18: Well, the the news item it was not the the fact that the that it was the Syrians who did it and that it was a chemical attack. I think that was pretty well established and accepted. That's why the United States uh, President Trump launched the missiles. And, um, and the the it, what happened this time now is that there was a special commission that there was authorized by the Security Council, of the United Nations, to investigate serious activities. It, its mandate was pretty strong. Uh They were in the process of drawing the conclusions, obviously leading them in a direction which showed that Syria was indeed responsible the Syrian government that is indeed responsible for the chemical uh, attack, and still supposedly there are uh, stockpiles in Syria, but it was the Russians who vetoed the investigation, the resolution that would have authorized maintaining the mandate. So that was what the action this week was. It wasn't a new discovery regarding so yeah, it was about how the follow-up.
0: Was. Yeah, but it seemed a news item that it became official. That the you know with all the speculation and yes, there was American reaction as you describe, but that it actually was one hundred percent clear. And Russia, I guess, in this case, is protecting their friend, and and well, re- they want to
18: keep Assad in power, and right. this is directed at that.
0: Um, and uh, so, so nothing. The, 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 this is not going to have an effect on how international relations with syria uh progress uh, any any reaction or retaliation or punishment has already been you know given out essentially for that attack. unless they
18: continue unless there's evidence of continued use or they, the and the stockpiles are discovered etc but the the action that was taken really curtails the further investigation uh, by the united nations right. and uh you know will will help sweep try to sweep this under the rug although the public exposure a, uh, has been achieved but it's not the the only thing when we look at, w- at what's happening in, in Syria with the uh, militias with the, uh, the attacks by ISIS you know, Israel hit uh, killed supposedly 10 ISIS supposedly uh ISIS guys uh, uh, who they're located in East Arab, which is along the border of Israel uh, near the Golan, and so while ISIS has been greatly reduced, their presence there is very, is very scary. They killed supposedly 128 civilians in one place, Karyat, Tain, in um, uh, that ISIS. So they're still active. They still have thousands of foreign fighters in Iran and Iraq and Syria. In fact, there were stories about the numbers that have come back. Uh, and the inability of law enforcement really to 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 maintain control. I know from Russia, France. I think they said 800 from Tunisia, Saudi Arabia, others who, who some 5,000 or more who have returned home already. And we know that there are uh, thousands more. And I think the 5,600 is the number of those who are still in Syria. Uh, and about a 1,000 who have uh, identified as as uh, having come home. So this is, you know, people f- think that uh, ISIS, because they lost the territory, the fact is that they're going back to their original state, which is a terrorist organization that doesn't need uh, so much territory as it needs to, just to be able to continue to operate through their weapons and the terrorist activities.
0: America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world in the web at com. On the Nachum Siegel Network and the beloved NSN app, big thank you to our friends at jewishworldreview.com. you want to print out thousands of articles regarding Israel and the Jewish world before Shabbos and read them at your leisure, it's a good place to start, jewishworldreview.com. And a big thank you to our friends at onlysimchas.com. In addition to all the great Simcha news, they are reporting on a whole bunch of interesting news stories from around the Jewish world, including a lot of stuff that we're featuring uh, here at JMNAM on a daily basis. So check them out every single day and be inspired at onlysimchas.com. Dot com. You know, as I as time goes by, I occasionally I try to simplify uh, based on the things you tell us each and every week. Some of the situations, if Syria, if Assad was no longer in Syria, however it would happen, because there are people, of course, you know, who've been demanding his ouster for God knows how long, and many people don't understand how the U.S. tolerates his continued, uh, you know, rule over there. But if he would be gone, a- essentially Iran would have the ability to take over that area, or or that's too simple a statement.
18: If Assad is gone, uh, and and you know the Russians, Iranians, others are not going to let that happen. Unless it could be by natural causes or assassination, other things could take place. So there is no immediate successor, and you could have a further breakdown uh, that we see already with the tribalism, with the you know the divisions creating cantons, you know, for each of the various groups that make up the Syrian population who do not really have a Syrian identity. Uh, he wants. They're most concerned about the Alawite area. It's important to the Russians because it's where their bases are, and sustaining control over that. But the Iranians, uh, as your question implies, have a, a unique ability today to be a dominant force there because they have fifty to sixty thousand militia men. Uh, plus, Hezbollah. Hezbollah announced that they're going to pull out of Syria in 2018 because they want to reorganize against Israel and so they want to go home and, and uh, to Lebanon the though we'll see whether that really takes place um but the 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 presence of of Iran is, is so clear in in the throughout the area and especially their attempts to get near the border uh, of Israel but also the control of the border crossings uh, to Iraq right. the and they need it for their transnational highway maybe railroad Going to the Meta, all the way to the Mediterranean and the goal for hegemony in the region they are not going to stop short of, of as long as that they have uh, control and it's one of the reasons why the Kurds uh, are being opposed the way they are, and the Iranians boasting that they stopped the second Israel and of course link to the Kurds with Israel uh, attack it very uh severely uh, not only because of the Kurdish population in Iran but because they want to be sure that they can control both of those areas in Iraq and in Syria that's where the oil is it's where the it's very important for the Iraqi government uh, they feel so they are are really committed and uh, you know they are expanding their efforts all the time uh, i have to note uh, just something i saw where the Iranians were boasting about their humanitarian efforts that they gave free education to 370,000 foreign students these are high school maybe younger Um, from where? From Afghanistan. Wow. And what do you think they're going to be trained in? What a kind This is just preparing that they have the fodder to send into battle, that these will be indoctrinated, they will be radicalized, as they have taken Afghan soldiers now and put them in Syria so that they fight the front line, not Iranian troops.
0: They're smart, otherwise they would have grown up as American allies. Pardon me. They're smart. Otherwise they would have grown up as American allies.
18: Well, they could have been American allies or they could have been radicalized by the Taliban. Right. There are a lot of options, but here they're going to indoctrinate them in their Shiite radical Shiite uh, ideology and uh, you know, Iran plans for the future and is looking to sustain its control no matter uh, what. And so the Syrian the options in Syria are very limited when you have Russia and Iran in collusion as we have seen even in recent days, and the, um, uh, y- y- the if the United States and our allies don't make a more concerted effort to protect yeah. the borders, which America is trying to do, and to try to block this transnational highway and to limit the areas that will fall into control of uh, Iranian-backed militias, uh, we're going to see... Uh, Iran's exaggerated role enshrined yeah. in Syria.
0: It's not even exaggerating; the numbers are so large. You know, I I wonder what God has in mind because you know I I know "Rabbi Biadma Ma'atim," and we've seen a lot of miracles in Jewish history, but these numbers are becoming staggering when you think about it.
18: What well, What is good is this week is I saw the some uh, polling that was done by a neutral outfit, and it showed the American people get it. Two thirds say. That Iran is not in compliance. Eighty-five uh, percent of Republicans, seventy-one percent of Independents, and fifty-seven percent of Democrats feel that the, uh, that the that the deal should be renegotiated, and, and Congress should do more to verify the compliance by Iran with the act. But uh, overall, two-thirds feel that the deal was bad for the U.S. That doesn't mean they want to scrap it. It means that they would like to see it changed and, and uh, move. And when you see votes in the House uh, yeah. that are so overwhelming, you but, know, with um, a minority a handful of people in opposition to the bills that were introduced to sanction the IRGC, to sanction the Iranians, to sanction the, the ballistic missile program. But and is that going to discourage them
0: it? from pursuing the long-range ballistic missiles? Pardon me? Is that going to discourage them from pursuing the long-range ballistic missiles, those sanctions?
18: Well, the sanctions uh, discourage them because it's, it, it, it impacts their economy, which is very vulnerable. And companies that uh, want to sell stuff to their to their, nucle- to their um, uh, ballistic missile program or to conventional weapons, let alone those in nuclear, which is already under sanction, are going to think twice if it means that, A, they're going to face prosecution, and B, that they can't do business with the United States and hopefully with the Europeans, at least some of the Europeans as well. So, it, it, you know, these things do have an impact, and, and Iran certainly takes them seriously. You know, they try to dismiss them and make fun of it, but, in fact, it, it they do matter and they do have an impact.
0: I always wonder about the um, congressional impact, because we always, it, it, it usually always comes down to, you know, what's the President of the United States deciding to do?
18: Well first, he we has to let it become law. I think he will. I think the, uh, President Trump supports this, and he did kick the ball to Congress when he decertified, right. so Congress is now mandated to, to to come up in in a short period of time with the meaningful legislative initiatives that should target the, the Iran for all of both the conventional and non conventional uh areas non conventional obviously being the nuclear and the um and make sure that there are teeth, and that they work with our allies who do want to see the conventional, at least, uh, restrictions upgraded. Macron has talked about it, others, and they've talked about uh, renegotiating the sunset clause in particular, which means that you know that when the deal ends, right. uh, it, it's uh, you know it self liquidates essentially, and it's a very short period of time. And people want it to be on forever. and The Iranians say we're not going to negotiate. Uh, we'll have to see whether the whether the people will come to the plate and really stand up.
0: You published this week that I today actually that Iron Dome is moving north in Israel. So so number one, that's scary, obviously, because it seems obvious. Obviously, they're preparing for something. Uh, but secondly, it, it wasn't up there yet. I mean, till this point, you know, Israel never knew uh, when they could expect. Uh, not not that they should take their military advice from me, frankly, but Israel never knew when to expect a rocket attack up north. Is it just this week that they're making this move?
18: No. No. The, the the this is part of um general preparation. There is expectation, there is concern about a conflict breaking out in the north. They already have a name, they call it the War of the North, but um uh, I think that it's it's precautionary and preventative and that they want Hezbollah to see that they are 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 enhancing their capacity there. But uh, you know the incident that we saw this week with the missiles that were launched into Israel, Israel's very strong response to it. They're holding and
0: Hezbollah responsible.
18: They hold the Syrian government responsible, the Syrian army, and uh, and when necessary, Hezbollah. They certainly try to hit any attempts to bring the weapons to to Hezbollah. But as they see the situation uh, maturing in in uh, Syria with the. Uh, Presence near the border, the the enshrining of the Hezbollah uh, Shiite militia uh, uh, and uh, other Iranian forces there, they have to take it very seriously. They've done a lot in terms of creating new uh, methods of intelligence collection. They have uh, new kinds of drones. They have new kinds of uh, equipment being brought up. Uh, to the northern border and obviously creating uh... physical barriers as much as possible but they know that there's an underground city there there are a hundred thousand plus missiles you know it's not to be dismissed i do not believe that hezbollah wants a war right now i think that they that's why they talk about twenty eighteen perhaps to put it off but there there have been military people in israel who have warned that uh... That it could heat up there.
0: Defense Minister Avigdor Lieberman said the Golan shelling was carried out by a Syrian cell on Hezbollah's orders without Damascus having been informed.
18: Yeah, they, that's what they, they contend that this was uh, their own decision, and uh, that's why Israel will hit back at whoever is responsible, but they say, look, the Syrian army is responsible for the area, the uh, They hit rocket launchers uh, of the Syrians firing from, by the way from planes uh, over Lebanon because you do have the Russian defense systems in place in in Syria, so Israel has to be very careful about how it's used and, and In this case, I think that there was no prior uh, consultation or permission sought by Israel. They went right after it because four of the missiles landed uh, pretty deep and especially when they determined that it was deliberate, not a uh, haphazard, you know, uh, errant fire of some conflict because there was no conflict going on in the region.
0: What do you think of the uh, prime minister um, immunity rule not passing in uh, immunity bill not passing in the Knesset? I would think if it would pass somewhere, it would be in a place where everyone thinks they're going to be prime minister one day.
18: <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to answer, <laughs> that's but <so> uh,
0: <laughs> <funny>.
18: <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's because public opinion. You know, would not be very right. supportive know. of it. You don't want to create a cover up. It's and, still hilarious. Uh, but I'm not sure it would. I think it would only apply to the next prime minister or the next election. I don't. Well, that's no, what I mean. Yeah, I don't think you can make laws because they, they all think they all think they're going to be the next prime minister. Well, they can rescind it by that. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs>
0: and speaking of of immunity. It seems that the submarine deal, the one that you know, was one of the three scandals uh, uh, involving Prime Minister Netanyahu, is going through, right, the German sale.
18: They're buying three submarines that will be delivered, I think it's in about a decade so no, it's, a, it's a long-term purchase. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not sure that these are the same. That that was not clear. Oh, really? These are additional, or were these the the same in the original? Yeah, I, uh, I think I read they were the original. Purchase. I think I read I, I think it's the original. Yeah. If I'm not
0: mistaken. Uh, and um, and it's 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 interesting to watch on these topic of Israeli politics. It's interesting to watch the Labor Party. Apparently, Avigabay is a little too uh, uh, I mean, Gabay, I think is the right pronunciation. Is a, is a little too right wing for the Labor Party um actually defending the right of Jews to be in Judea and Samaria and things like that
18: yes and you've seen several statements by different political leaders uh others um being supportive uh, and and uh, taking positions because they're reading the, the Israeli public and if they think that elections might be imminent they want to carve out a broader constituency uh, for themselves and the uh and and this is one of the areas uh, where they can do it.
0: Uh, the settlement boycott equaling the Israeli boycott, the New York Times article I'm referencing, again, that you have in the Daily Alert. is I mean, is it ever possible to separate, or I should say to combine the two and get public opinion to understand that if you're just like, if you're anti-Zionism, you're anti-Semitic, as we've pointed out many times, uh, and, you know, they hide behind the anti-Israel banner, uh, if you're anti-settlement, essentially you are anti-Israel.
18: Well, you can have a difference of policy. Everybody acknowledges and says uh, this mantra that you can differ over policies. You can say where you think the border should be, what they should do with settlements. But that there's a difference between that and singling out one country to be held to unrealistic standards and to criticize them and subject them to... Like the Human Rights Council to the, a boycott, which can have broader ramifications. A hundred companies get a letter from from the High Commissioner, and says that if you do business, you know and nobody wants to be investigated. Everybody says, "Look, it's easier just uh, not you to know, do business." Right, right. And uh, and and you don't see them doing it about a catalog. You don't see them doing it about Western Sari or, or any other place where there is a disputed a dispute going on. So that 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 is really the distinction. People can have their own views and and political differences and assessments of where what should be. In the, even in the settlers' movement, you have differences of, of views over it. But the it's the fundamental principles that we see being violated. When a guy at Rutgers can publish a kind of anti-Semitic stuff, and he's not driven out a and feather. On the first day, and I don't mean physically assaulted. I mean that he'd be forced out. That there not be uh, when it's so blatant and so horrific. The state, the university, did issue a strong statement, but it, it, uh, and is supposedly investigating. But what do you investigate when you see the cartoons, the depictions, the statements that he's made over a period of time? Had he done it on a on a racial basis, other things, he, he wouldn't. He wouldn't even be able to see the dust as how fast he would be kicked out of there, and. uh you know, we have to target, be specific, uh, and that's why the legislative initiatives are are so important. Uh, and again, I think, as the poll on Iran shows, the American people are getting it. We see tourism soaring. I think it's up 22% this year. It's going to be a record. They may even pass for the first time the 3 million visitors mark, Wow! which is a real milestone. And, you know, the, the, another thing that occurred to me was, you know, that, that this uh, week in the Negev, there was joint exercises of Jordan, Palestinian Authority, and Israeli first responders, uh, medics, uh, fire people, um, others, to, to, to save lives. And they said, we don't care what the distinctions or anything. This is to train people to ensure coordination when it's necessary. If you have a huge forest fire, you have something, you know, some natural disaster, some, something else happens. But nobody in the press will ever publish that and, and talk about it, even though some of the Europeans helped to support it. And the you know the, the, the still the, the problem so that when you have guys promoting and you think that he's been at Rutgers for decades and has a long history of this kind of vicious anti-Semitic um, attitudes and, and, and pronouncements and now trying to cover it or to whitewash it, Gotta be really hard and fast about it. It can be no accommodating this kind of thing. This is not a question of whether there's a word or a nuance or something else. This is so blatant and it will send an important message. University administrations have to, we have to send it to faculty. There has to be an outcry as the as there would have been if it had been a depiction of some other minority in, in such horrific ways.
0: And by the way, this audience is packed with Rutgers alum.
18: They think they- uh, I know, exactly. Yeah. And you have a lot of listeners, even students who go to Rutgers yeah. now, right. and uh, a who have made contributions should really insist now that action, beyond just the, the statement, which was a strong one, uh, against him be taken.
0: What happens, by the way, uh, toward the beginning of your answer with the corporations and companies, what happens with those close to 200 Israeli uh, companies and international corporations who are on the quote-unquote UN blacklist? Are they... Are they going to be investigated? Is this is this symbolic? What is it?
18: Well, it's not symbolic because they're talking about sanctions, and it's it's only a first step. They they were sent a letter warning them that they are, and they were supposed to answer and explain. You know whether they do or do not do business in the Shnachim, and uh, but ultimately it could lead. Even the very fact that they that their names are published as a list right. will put them uh, put them on notice. And but if a company, a cor- international corporation gets a letter and says, you know, you were going to investigate you, you're subject to, to you know, s- certain sanctions or whatever, believe me, it makes a difference. So we hope that they will, the companies will reject it. We, we are still working to make sure that this thing doesn't go further. But Prince Zaid, the, the um, High Commissioner of the Human Rights Council, seems hell-bent on, on pursuing this. And I have to tell you that Arab leaders with whom we raised it we're very critical of him for, for this. Oh, really? Yeah. That's a bad precedent. Listen, you know, that it can happen. And, but uh, Zaid used to be a friend. Uh, you know, he's a cousin of the king right. of Jordan. And uh, frankly, we're baffled by what happened to him.
0: Lach tomorrow. Pretty amazing. The uh, love that he quickly developed, meaning Abraham, our father, for the land of Israel. huh? We should all have that kind of feeling for the land of Israel.
18: And if we want to call ourselves the children of of Rami and Yaakov, you have to look at their love for the land, yeah. sacrifice for the land, what they did, create a permanent record, and the, uh, the, we should be inspired by it. In the story of uh, uh, in Hebron and everywhere else, uh, with Rivki Meno too coming up, that that the biblical connection reminds us of our responsibility today. Yeah, no it's question. not historic commemoration. No, and Balfour no. Declaration Adrian Blahabdel is also an important thing, not because just of what happened a hundred years ago and the importance of understanding the history, understanding what the struggle that went through, what um what had occurred in the opposition that was later mounted uh, against it. And uh the the opposition even within some circles that later became more friendly right. at the time were not sympathetic and supportive of it, um, that, that people, and we teach our kids about it, to understand that you not take it for granted. Because yeah. when you take it for granted, it can be taken away.
0: Very important words. Next time we speak, the Balfour Declaration will be over 100 years old. Malcolm, thank you so much. Have a wonderful job. Good job. We'll speak next week. Malcolm, online is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us Friday's for the weekly update here on JM in the a.m. Candle lighting at 538 here in New York, Jerusalem at 514. Uh, Balfour Day is Thursday, as we mentioned. Don't forget that tomorrow night, Israel switches to standard time. There'll be a six-hour difference between the eastern time time zone and Israel for one week. This time each and every Friday, every Arab Shabbos. With great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin.
19: Good morning, Nachum. Good day of Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Lech Lecha. With Lech Lecha, we begin Jewish history. Hashem says to Avraham, Lech Lecha me'artzecha, leave your land, leave your community, leave your father's home, and go to the place that I will show you. And Avraham goes. And, as the rest, as they say, is history, that which Hashem initially, it seems from the Torah, wanted to do with society as a whole, he's now going to accomplish his aim through the very special family of Avraham. You have at the end of the parasha, the mitzvah of bris milah, circumcision, one of the three biblical mitzvahs found in the book of Barashas. Last week we had the mitzvah of pru or vu, to be fruitful and multiply, and um, this week we have uh, bris milah, circumcision, and in several weeks in Parshas vayishlach we have the third mitzvah of not to eat the sinew on the hind leg of the animal by the hip. Now, I'd like to focus on chapter 16. Chapter 16 comes right after the bris Berapsorim, the covenant that Hashem makes with Avram, assuring him that he and his progeny the Jewish people, will possess the land of Israel. And this is right before chapter 17 of circumcision. The Torah tells us in chapter 16 that it's already 10 years that Avram and Sarah are in the land of Canaan. They have no children. Sarai takes her maidservant, her executive secretary, Hagar, who is Paro's daughter, the king of Egypt. She converts and becomes part of the household of Avram and Sarai. And Sarai gives Hagar to Avram as a wife, saying, perhaps I will be built through her, meaning, if she has a child with Avram, I'll oversee, I'll be involved. It'll be like the child is mine. And so what happens? Hagar becomes pregnant immediately. And the Torah tells us, Vateikal givirta be'eneha. And her mistress, meaning Sarai, was lowered in her esteem. Okay, what does that mean? So Rashi helps us out by telling us that Hagar, who had great reverence for Sarai, her mistress, until this point, says, "Oh, oh, oh! It must be that Sarai is not the tzaddikas, the righteous person that she pretends to be. After all, she's with Avram so many years." And haven't had a child. I'm with Avram one night. And I'm pregnant. I'd like to. Before I go on. Remind everybody. That there are no Bible stories. There are Bible lessons. And so let's listen. To the reaction of Sarai. When she realizes that Hagar is treating her with disrespect. She says to Avraham, and this is chapter 16, verse 5 Chamosi Alecha. Wow. So, Art Scroll translates it here as The outrage against me is due to you. Meaning, you, as Rashi says, Avraham, my husband, are not putting Hagar in her place. Avraham is caught between a rock and a hard place. He does not put Hagar in her place. However, the word chamosi, if we know from last week's parasha of Noah, whereby batimole ha'oretz chamos. The land was full of violence, thievery, robbery. So it appears that Sarai is saying to Avraham, the robbery against me is because of you. What might she be talking about? I'm going to share with you a very uplifting insight of the Be'er Yosef, Rav Yosef Salant, of Racha. And he says the following. The Torah teaches us at the beginning of Parshas Lech Lecha that Abraham and Sarah took with them hanefesh asher literally the souls they had made in Haran. Human beings can't make a soul. Rashi tells us what does it mean Avram migayer Eshoanoshim, converted the men and Sarai converted the women. Now, however, when Hagar becomes pregnant and she looks upon Sarai, her mistress, in a very different light, the Medrash Rabba in chapter forty-five, paragraph four, tells us that Hagar shared this picture, analysis, of her mistress, meaning Sarai, with potential converts. And she would say to them, look here, Sarai is not all that she is, come on, thought to be. After all, once again, she, no children, I, a child, and so, as a result of this, many potential converts dropped out because they didn't have the ideal teacher to go to. Surai was no longer that picture on the wall, the model of righteousness, of modesty, of belief, of kindness all that indeed sorrow was, and more. And therefore, says the very Yosef, when Sarai says, Chamosi olecha, she is saying literally, you've robbed me, Avram, with your silence, by not putting hugger in a place, you've robbed me of the potential of converting others, says the Bear Yosef Sarai is not concerned about her dignity; she's concerned about Kvod Shamayim. She's concerned about the honor and dignity of God. <coughs> there's, <coughs> there's such a powerful lesson we can learn from this. The Gemara in Yuma Pivavu and Aleph teaches in the name of Abaye. That which we are most familiar, the beginning of the first paragraph of the Shema. For you have to eat Hashem alokechor, literally, you shall love Hashem your God says Abaye, doesn't only mean that you should love God, but rather Sheheishim Shamayim that God should be loved through you. By the way you act, that's the way others will come to love God because they're going to see you, and they're going to see, wow, a person who's Ashrei Aviv, Shalimdo Torah, look at this, how fortunate is the one whose father taught him Torah. Ashrei Rabbo, his teacher taught him Torah. And Woe unto the others who've missed out on the learning in Torah. This person who is an observant Jew, take a look. How pleasant are his deeds. And so this is what Sarah was accomplishing, and this is what Sarah bemoaned. I believe there's such a powerful lesson that emerges from this because the Talmud says the flip side as well. Somebody who learns Torah, but unfortunately their business transactions are not faithful, what do people say about that person? This is Torah. I don't want to have anything to do with it. And so we have to realize that just as Sarah had a mission, each and every one of us has that potential and mission to influence others. And we do so every day, how we act, how we act in the bank. You see somebody online, and very simply, you know them, and you go to chat, and you continue chatting, and you break the line. And people notice, and even if they don't say anything, you have done a chilel Hashem, a desecration of God's name. How you drive, you can drive either with courtesy, or unfortunately, if you go and you didn't get the ticket, because you went on the shoulder, and now you beat and you get to the front, and they see that you're a Jew, Ah, oh, no, don't, don't, you might have saved the ticket, but you got Achil Hashem, which is worse. And think about it, how you conduct yourself when you go to the stores, and how do you speak and interact with the employees, do you leave clothing on the floor of the dressing room? If you do, they know it's you. And that's a chil Hashem. If you've used a crackpot for X number of months, and now you're going to return it, even though technically speaking you're going to get either or a credit or even your money back, but you've also created a Hashem if you use it for several months. If you feel embarrassed to return it, or you feel uneasy, then you're probably right. Because that's going to create a Hashem. Parshas Lech Lecha has no Bible stories. It has Bible lessons. And it charges each and every one of us to not only recite the Shema, but to literally conduct ourselves as ambassadors for Hashem. Take a look. It was right after the Houston terrible floods. And there are beautiful pictures of Chabad rabbis hugging strangers just giving them that lift that they needed. They are created, B'Tselem elokim, and that's how we treat them, with dignity and with compassion. You can laugh, but there are some non-Jews that keep a yarmulke in their glove compartment. Because should they ever break down, they know one thing. They'll put on the yarmulke and someone is going to stop to help them. On the one hand, we have such potential for Kiddush Hashem, for sanctifying God's name. And at the same time, ouch, we have the terrible opportunity for Chil Hashem. Chapter 16 of this week's parsha, parasha, What is troubling Sarah? Not her own dignity, however, the missed opportunity that she had to further spread quote Shemayim. What a powerful, beautiful lesson emerges from No Bible stories, yes, Bible lessons. Shabbat Shalom! to all.
0: J.M. and the A.M., my thanks, Rabbi Yudin, of course, on this of Shabbos Parsha Lech Candle lighting at 538 in the New York area as we get ready for Shabbos. Uh, don't forget, Naomi Nachman is coming up starting at 9 a.m. with uh, table for two. Uh, today, Naomi is going to feature her uh, challah show with some very special guests. I am told it's a really fun program, so that's happening between 9 and 10 this morning. You can see the video at NahumSegal.com on the homepage. 10 o'clock for the Arab Shabbos show with Mark Zamek. It's uh, sponsored by Kedem. Uh, later in the afternoon, our Erev Shabbos music mix sponsored by Kedem. That's going to go all the way until candlelighting time. So get ready for that. Um, just a second. There we go. And... Um, a Saturday Night single with Avrami tomorrow night. And, of course, Matis J.M. Sunday, uh, 7 a.m. Eastern Time Sunday morning. Don't forget, Israel switches to Standard Time tomorrow night. It'll be a six-hour difference between us in the New York area and Israel for about a week. And then we go to Standard Time uh, the following week. That's how it works. Aviva Pinchuk is with us live via telephone. Many of you know that the yard site of Rachel Imenu is coming up, the 11th of Marcheshvan. And she is co-director of the Ruchel Heritage Fund. Um, many of you in this audience probably remember that this group of ladies, led by Miriam Adani in Israel, are basically responsible for saving Ruchel. I think one can argue if they would not have given their lives 24 hours a day for a long period of time years ago, to demonstrate physically the importance of Keva Rachel to the Jewish people and to the world. Uh, I don't know if we would have access to Keva Rachel today. That's how serious a time it was, for those of you who recall. Aviva Pinchuk, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to be
10: with you, Nachum. I really appreciate it.
0: Would you say that's accurate, that without the group of women who dedica- who dedicated themselves to the cause... We may not even be able to visit Kevra Rachel these days?
10: I'm so happy you said that because not many people understand and appreciate the kind of work that we've put into into maintaining the significance and putting Kevurahol on the map. It is only after all our struggles and our work and our struggle to keep Kevr Rachel in Israel proper, in Israel, uh, that Kevr Rachel suddenly has become a, so to speak, hotspot. It's become recognized. In the last number of years, we have well over 100,000 people who come to the Kevr in 24 hours over the yard site. That is like the largest demonstration ever, except maybe for Oslo. And there's no other demonstration of connection yeah. and of love and devotion as there is on, on the yard site of, of Rachel Imenu.
0: No question about it. And that's coming up this week. Yeah. There'll be a lot of activity. There's always a lot of activity, but there'll even be more activity there. Uh, Miriam Adani, your group, uh, and we're speaking with Aviva Pinchuk, uh, tell us what's happening now in 2017. What are some of the things going on at Kevr Rachel under your umbrella?
10: Oh, well, we keep, we keep working. We keep very, very active in order to maintain the, uh, the awareness of Kevra even though now we are celebrating 50 years since the freedom, so to speak, of, of Rachel's tomb. And it's been amazing the outpouring of, peop- of people that have come to visit the site, and the, uh, there have been uh, changes, physical changes, on the site itself to make access. Um, much easier, but we're still not free. We're still surrounded by these tremendously high nine-meter walls. We still are hit with Molotov cocktails and with yep. bottles. UNESCO has uh, taken us off, as you know. We have the problem with UNESCO not recognizing Rachel's tomb as part of Israel. Right. But we are struggling, and through our, all our uh, activities in order to maintain the awareness the significance amongst the people in Israel and abroad, and we do that through uh, guiding many, many ki- different kinds of groups. We have school children, high school children, university students, foreign tourists, members of Knesset, foreign dignitaries, Christian groups who come to support Israel. And um, mainly, uh, our our main work we always feel is through Sahel, the Army the Soldiers. Many soldiers come to Kevrachel and they don't understand, what is this? Why are we defending this place? It's a, a grave of a dead woman many years ago. That's how... Oh, unfortunately, how uh, ignorant our own our own soldiers are. Many of them mm-hmm. on the history and the Tanakh of Israel, and that we find is our main work and our most. Um, we, we get so much positive feedback from the soldiers, well, and it, I have to say, we also have a, a kollel, a night kollel. We have bar and bat mitzvahs for for Israeli girls for. Uh, foreign tourists, we very often twin. An American girl will come and make her bat mitzvah, and we'll twin with a needy girl from somewhere in Israel will make a bat mitzvah together in Kevr Rachel. We are uh, always in touch with the Knesset and the army and the police. Uh, And I understand that all these people who work with us, we are all volunteers. Every single one of us is a volunteer. And we, uh, we, we may have, we're very involved with Sahel, with the army, uh, not only do we guide them through Kever Ha'el, um, we give them packages. We always ask their commanders what is it they need, and then we raise money, whether it's fleece shirts, or hats, or gloves, or whatever it is they need, and it's always accompanied by something religious, either a tehillim, or a menorah, for Hanukkah, or a lulav. Uh, last year, we took a group of Americans out to an army base, and we actually built a sukkah for the Ha'elim on the army base, huh. decorations and all. It was just so wonderful to see these soldiers and these american tourists dancing together after they completed the sukkah but Naham, all this we have so many more activities just to keep our goal is education is unity through education under the or the cover the umbrella of rachel imenu rachel Navaka Albaneha, she cries for her children, she wants us to be united and one, and to recognise our heritage. And this is really our main vision. We would like to eventually to build an educational centre. Uh, but of course, that everything that we want to do takes money. It takes a lot of money. We're trying very hard to maintain our activities on on the one hand and to to start a campaign for an educational center about Rachel Imenu and how she is the umbrella, she is the mother of us all. All right,
0: let me jump in here for a minute. Uh, Rabbi Howard down in Baltimore, as usual, uh, has committed himself and his congregation to the future of the Kevra Rachel Heritage Fund. Uh, Aviva Pinchuk has just outlined for us some of the things they've done over the last 20-plus years. And um, I cannot imagine how this would not be an A1 charity, an A1 uh, contributing uh, um, target for uh, the Jewish community around the world because they have proven themselves. They have proven that they take this money and they make really, really good use of it. To keep Kever Rachel going, and to as you heard, all these different things—the the bat mitzvahs, the soldiers, the programs, the educational center, which is a dream that will hopefully become a reality, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I'm going to ask our listeners to take down this information. Rabbi Howard down in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, the B'nai Jacob Shari Zion Congregation has again offered um, through his synagogue to accept contributions for the Kever Rachel Heritage Fund. It's uh, it, you you I, I would assume uh, Aviva. Um, I I would assume that um, that that that's how people uh that people make their checks payable to the Kevruchel Rachel Heritage Fund. Am I right? Right, it, it goes that way. Guys. That's right. So a Heritage Fund. You you make your checks payable to the Kevruchel Heritage Fund, and you send them care of Rabbi Hauer at the B'nai Jacob Shari Zion Congregation, and that is sixty six hundred Park Heights Avenue in Baltimore, and the zip code is two 21- one. I'm going to do that again in a second, but let me tell people that are near their computer that you could also go to the Beth to the B'nai Jacob uh, website. You can go to the Bene Jacob website. It's BJSZ for Bene Jacob Shari Zion. BJSZ.org. You go to the donate tab and just make sure to specify that it's for the charity fund. And it's for Kever Ruchel. It'll give you a chance. Once you go to the the donate tab, it'll give you a chance to get to the charity fund. And then you'll have an opportunity to write in the memo that it's for Kever Ruchel. Okay. As complicated as it sounds, it's really pretty simple. Go to bjsz.org, hit the donate tab, specify it's for the charity fund, and then write that it's for Kever Ruchel. Those of you who want to use the traditional United States Postal Service, again, checks are payable to Kever Rachel Heritage Fund, and they are sent to Rabbi Hauer at B'nai Jacob Shari Zion. That's B'nai Jacob Shari Zion, 6600 Park Heights Avenue in Baltimore, Maryland. Again, that's 6600 Park Heights Avenue. Avenue in Baltimore, Maryland. The zip code is 21215 uh, 21215. This week is the art set of Rachel Imenu. We're using the opportunity to make sure that the uh, Rachel Heritage Fund has what they need and that they continue to progress in terms of building the area of Kevra Rachel and the educational possibilities around Kevra Rachel. Aviva Pinchuk, I uh, can't thank you enough.
10: Thank you, Nahum. Can I just say uh, sure. two, more, two more sentences, sure. please? Sure. Uh, first of all, that uh, this week also, every year, we, uh, Mary Madani and her women organize two conferences, two evenings in memory of Tev Rachel, one in English, one in Hebrew, in the Amada Hotel in Jerusalem. Each one is attended by over a thousand women. Every year, over a thousand women come to these uh, evenings to commemorate the uh, Yeret of Rachel I also wanted to suggest, since this is 50 years, since uh, Kev Rachel has been returned to us, that if each woman listening to this program will donate $50 and tell her friends, if each woman just donated $50, we would be so well on our way to building the educational center, which we hope to name, to dedicate, uh, in the memory of Nava Applebaum. Wow. <laughs> wow. Her her wedding gown was made into a parochet. Right.
12: I'm That's sure in you Ke-
10: spoke about that many times. That's Thank in Kev, Kev Rachel. Rachel? Sure, right. Yes, it's hanging in Kebuk, and we would like we we aim to name this educational center uh in the memory of Nava Applebaum, Hashem Yikondoma. Does her family Rachel, know does her
0: family know that you intend to do this?
10: Oh yes, wow, for sure.
0: Very nice. Yes,
10: of course, of course. Nice. Um and you know, we say we, you know, we read Rachel Mavaka al Baneha. Rachel cries for her children, but we also read in the same pasok in Yirmiyahu, Shavu Banim Legvulam. That's right. And it is in Rachel's credit, because she cries for her children to be united, to return to Eretz Israel. that we will indeed see the prophecy of Shavu Banim Legvulam. Uh, and her children shall return to her borders. We hope to see that in the very near future.
0: Aviva uh, Tadarabag. Good luck this thank week. Thank you, but, Nahum, and A And thank you
10: for all your help. You've I, been really essential
0: in helping us. I appreciate that. I want to remind our listeners, Listeners, the B'nai Jacob Shari Zion website does take contributions for the Kevr Heritage Fund. Go to bjsz.org. You go to the Donate tab. You specify Charity Fund and just make sure that you put in the memo that it's for Kevr Rachel. It's, uh, that's how it's done. If you follow those steps, it's really easy. And those of you who'd like to send a check, they're made payable to Kevr Heritage Fund, and they are sent to Rabbi Hower. B'nai Jacob Shari Zion Congregation. Again, B'nai Jacob Shari Zion Congregation, 6600 Park Heights Avenue. That's 6600 Park Heights Avenue, Baltimore, Maryland, Mm 21215. J.M. and the AM, our tribute to the Kevin Ruchel Heritage Fund as we uh, spoke with Aviva and reminded everybody about the importance during this week of uh, Rachel Imenu's yard site to support their incredible work in Israel. Time to say good Shabbos. Journeys is on. You're listening to J.M. and the AM. Sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at alchemistical.com. On the to have, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Erev Shabbos at JM in the AM. Naomi Nachman is next with her Chalabake, brand-new table-for-two Chalabake show. Then uh, Kedem presents our Erev Shabbos show with Mark Zamek. Then Kedem presents our Erev Shabbos music mix until candlelighting time. Um... Trying to think what else I have to tell everybody. Saturday night, Seagull tomorrow night with our rummy. Sunday, it's Matis, 7 a.m. with uh, with JM Sunday. Make sure to be tuned in. Monday morning, we're back right here at JM in the Am. Mordecai Shapiro visits us on Wednesday. Thursday is Balfour Day. We'll remind you as we get closer. Have a wonderful Shabbos, great weekend. Till next time, Nahum Siegel reminding you remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.